Hey everyone, welcome to our Sunday morning meeting. I want to add my welcome to the welcome you've already received. And man, for weeks, I've been looking forward to us together launching our brand new series on heaven. Now, you might not spend much time thinking about heaven, and uh, that wouldn't surprise me. But as we've been going through this season of incredible upheaval in 2020, we thought it would be great to anchor ourselves in some eternal truths. But not just that, the reality is that many people around the world, as we have been for thousands of years, are facing life and death realities. But this pandemic that we've been through in some ways brings it closer and makes it more real for some of us. And uh, I wonder if you know the story of a gentleman by the name of uh, Alfred Nobel. He was a Swedish chemist and uh, he invented things like dynamite and an interesting thing happened in his life in that uh, one day his brother died and the uh, newspaper got it wrong and they thought that Alfred Nobel had died. And so in their paper, they did an obituary, not for Alfred Nobel's brother, but for Alfred Nobel himself. And in their obituary, they spoke about how Alfred Nobel was a man who made his fortune by enabling people to kill other people at an unprecedented scale. And Alfred Nobel was so shaken by this that that day he vowed that he was going to use his resources for the betterment of humanity, including what we've now come to know as the Nobel Prize. Alfred Nobel got a second chance. He got a chance to begin living his life in the light of the fact that one day he would die. And uh, that's what this series is about. Someone defined Christianity as saying Christians are people who live prepared to die and who die prepared to live. And if we can get to that place over the next few weeks, that'd be absolutely awesome. It reminds me of the words of Jesus who said that I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. So I'm going to pray for us. Then we're going to get into one of the better known stories that Jesus told about this very subject. Jesus, we thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. And as we go through your word, we pray that you would help all of us by your spirit, help us to believe in you as a person, to believe in the things that you've taught us. And we ask that by your spirit, you would help us to live prepared to die and to die prepared to live. And everyone said, Amen. Today we're looking at the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, I'm going to go through it and then we're going to pull out as many practical things as we can that'll make a real difference in our lives. And uh, we're in Luke chapter 16, verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Who wants to be that guy? At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, only parable where Jesus actually names one of the characters specifically. Lazarus, the Bible tells us, was covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Two men, two very different realities. On the one hand, we've got the rich man. What do we know about him? Well, the first thing we know is that he's 
rich. The second thing we know is that he dressed in purple and fine linen. This is Bible language of those times for the best of the best. Purple meant that it had been dyed purple with a very, very expensive dye that spoke of money. If you saw someone wearing purple in those days, you knew that they had more than enough for their needs. You knew that they were amongst the richest of the rich. Not just that, but the Bible gives us an interesting detail. Jesus says that he was dressed in purple and fine linen. Now that word fine linen comes from a Greek word, I think it's bosos, and what that refers to is to an expensive and rare kind of Egyptian cotton which made for very comfortable uh, underwear. And so Jesus is saying this guy looked good on the outside and by the way, if anyone's interested, he also had very expensive underwear, just so you know. He was rich. He dressed in the finest clothes. Not just that, the Bible tells us that he lived in luxury. Some translations say he feasted sumptuously every day, fine dining. And then there's Lazarus. Lazarus, the Bible tells us, wasn't rich. Lazarus was a beggar. Lazarus, the Bible tells us, he wasn't covered in fine linen and purple. Lazarus, the Bible tells us, was covered in sores. And only the dogs as his friends would come and lick his wounds. And the Bible tells us that Lazarus didn't feast sumptuously every day like the rich man, but Lazarus longed to eat the things that fell from the rich man's table. Two totally different existences, and man, I don't want to get into this because there's so much good stuff going on, but isn't this such a picture of Nairobi? Incredible wealth next door to incredible poverty. You have Karen right next door to Kibera. It's a picture of our world. Nations that have so much in so many ways right next door on their doorstep. Nations in such need and such lack. This Bible is not irrelevant, friends. This Bible is as up to date as tomorrow's newspaper. Two totally different existences but something very interesting happens in this story. Let's read on. The Bible says, The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. We learn from this story that no matter where we're at, no matter our backgrounds, all of us, unless Jesus comes back first, all of us will one day die. We spoke about pulling some practical stuff out of this. And one of the most practical things that we can do as we prepare to die so that we can die prepared to live, one of the most practical things that we can do is we accept the reality of our death. The Bible says man, every man and woman who can hear the sound of my voice, we are destined to die and then comes judgment. Death, someone said, it's the only thing that the rich man and Lazarus had in common. You and I may be different in lots of, lots of ways, but we have this in common. One day we will die. You might be young and strong and feel invincible. You might be getting along in years and feeling more frail. But the reality is this. Every man, woman and child needs to come to terms with the fact that one day we'll die. And like Alfred Nobel, the sooner that happens the better. Every man dies. 
But then after that, the Bible says, everything changes. And in the rest of the story, we get this graphic picture of two very different men in life who face one common fate, and that is death. And then after that, two incredibly different after lives. I came across this story. I'm going to read it to you. It's about a cemetery. And in the cemetery, it was hundreds of years old. There was a tombstone. And there was an interesting poem written on the tombstone. Here's how the poem went. It said, Pause, stranger, when you pass me by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. Someone, a passerby, no one knows who, scratched these additional words on the tombstone after that poem. They walked by, and as they walked by, they scratched this. Um, To follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. (laughs) That's really important. We're all going to die, but after we die, which way way are you going to go? Which way are things going to go? That's a very, very important question and actually a second practical tool that I want to present to you this morning is that each one of us, if we're responsible with our existence, with our lives, wouldn't it be wise to investigate the options? Find out what are the options out there? Lots of people think lots of different things. You might be in the camp that you'd say, actually, when we die, I don't know what happens. And if that's you, it's great to have you listening to this message because according to scripture, we can know what happens when we die. But maybe in that category, hey, I don't know. That would be the same as a child who um, knelt down for his bedtime prayers and he prayed the prayer that uh, a lot of you would know. It goes, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And should I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. But this this particular child, I don't know whether it was on purpose or not, but he, he prayed this prayer. He prayed, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I pray that Jesus ain't a fake. <laughs> now, he doesn't sound very sure about what's going to happen when he dies. He just hopes Jesus isn't a fake. Maybe you don't know. According to scripture, we can know. Some people say, after you die, we go into this nothingness. Well, maybe, but are you sure? Have you investigated it? A third possibility is some people believe in reincarnation. That after this life, you get to come back in another life and give it another go. Maybe, but are you sure? Have you investigated the options? Some people believe in purgatory, that we all go into a kind of uh, long-term waiting room, and then based on various factors, we can increase our status in eternity. Maybe, but have you investigated the options? Some people think that when we die, we all kind of go into this ghostly existence where we float on a cloud and play harps forever. That's where all of us go. Maybe but have you investigated the options? It's the only wise thing to do with our eternity. Moving along, the Bible says, the beggar died 
and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. A common fate in death, but then after that, everything changes. What happens? Well, on the one hand, you've got the rich man, and because he's got money, he gets buried. The Bible, interestingly, doesn't tell us that Lazarus was buried, and that's likely because no one was willing to give him a decent funeral. Rich man, buried. Lazarus, not buried. Lazarus has angels carry him to Abraham's side. Not so with the rich man. And if you have loved ones who've died who know Jesus, it's a great comfort that we can carry that they were carried to Abraham's side, to use this language, with an angelic escort. Absolutely stunning. Verse 23 says this, In hell, where he was in torment, the rich man looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. It doesn't get better than that. Abraham was kind of the who's who of Jewish culture and Jewish religion. And uh, I remember when I was quite close to celebrity, which doesn't happen often, Tash and I were newly married. We were at a shopping mall in South Africa, just having a good time. All of a sudden, there's this commotion. We've got no idea what's going on. And then we realize that there is a movie premiering. The movie is iRobot. Just dated myself there, I know. And the star of the movie, Will Smith, is in the shopping wall, walking along and shaking people's hands as he moves down the line. Now, Tash is so excited and she gives me the camera and I've got to take this picture of her. It's going to be the ultimate selfie, except she didn't take it herself. And as I'm ready to take this, sel- this picture of her shaking Will Smith's hand in a shopping mall in South Africa, someone reaches over to grab at Will Smith, knocks the camera, messes up my photo. And that's why right now we don't have a great photo to show you of Tash shaking Will Smith's hand. But Lazarus is with Abraham, and the picture really is of him sitting in this awesome couch at a feasting table at Abraham's side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. C.S. Lewis said this, he said that all your life an unattainable ecstasy has hovered just beyond the grasp of your consciousness and the day is coming when you will wake to find beyond all hope that you have attained it like Lazarus or else that it was within your reach and you have lost it forever. I love what a a man called John Piper said. He said that if during our time on this earth we pursue after things instead of God, after luxury for ourselves instead of love for others, then earth will be the extent of our heaven and eternity will be our hell. But if during our time on the earth, God is our treasure, no matter how many bad things happen, then earth will be the extent of our hell 
and eternity will be our heaven. All of a sudden, everything's different. The Lazarus is in uh, Abraham's bosom, Abraham's party, and he's celebrating with Abraham. And the Bible says, that reminds me of what uh, Jesus once said. He once said to a thief on a cross next to him, he said, I tell you the truth, this day, today, you will be with me in paradise. I tell you the truth today, there's no eternal waiting room like purgatory. Jesus said to this thief, today, I want you to know, I'm telling you the truth. You will be with me. You will be with me. Friends, that's what the afterlife is about. Actually, it's what this life is about. The afterlife isn't primarily about a place. The afterlife is about a person and being with a person. That is the highlight of heaven and his name is Jesus. And you and I in this life have the opportunity to meet him and to get to know him and to speak with him. And he speaks to us through his word and we experience his love and his friendship and his goodness now as a preparation for something far, far more intimate and deep and enriching and fulfilling than we could ever imagine. Not purgatory, but with a person and his name is Jesus. And in a place called paradise, that word paradise, it comes from a Persian word for a garden, a garden like the Garden of Eden, a perfect place of enjoyment and delights. And Jesus says, that's the place that I want you to be with me for all eternity. If you'll make a decision to follow me while you're still alive. The alternative is where the, the rich man ended up. And one of the primary things we learn about this place is that he was thirsty. And when the Bible talks about thirst, we're reminded of Psalm 42, which talks about a deer panting, thirsting for, for water as a picture of how the soul thirsts for the God who made us. And the sweetest thing about the afterlife is the presence of Jesus. And the saddest thing about where the rich man found himself is that he was separated from the God who made him. And so the deepest part of him had a longing that couldn't be quenched by anything else. I think it's Augustine who said, our hearts will find no rest until they find rest in you. And that ultimate rest is in this place called paradise. And the Bible also says that uh, there's this chasm. There's a chasm that couldn't be crossed. Check it out. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that you, those who want to go from here to you, cannot, nor can anyone cross from over there to us. There's a chasm that can never be crossed. I wonder if there are people who the Holy Spirit, even right now in this message, might be laying on your heart, saying they need to hear this message. That's another practical takeaway. If you're a follower of Jesus, share this message with someone. That one day we're all going to die, and we're all going to live forever somewhere. Before it's too late, as it was 
for the rich man. Verse 27 carries on. The rich man answered, Then I beg you, Father, the rich man has become a beggar. I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. Uh, No, Father Abraham. Can you see what's happening? The the rich man who's in torment in hell is giving advice to Abraham. He says, no, 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 let me tell you how it works. No, Father Abraham. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And Abraham said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. The message that we have in this book and in the scriptures, what Abraham calls Moses and the prophets, that is enough to guide you and I into eternal life. Sometimes we think, man, if I see some special miracle, if God does writing in the sky for me, or or maybe if I saw someone rise from the dead and come and tell me what it's like there, that would be enough for me. And Jesus says, this is more than enough to change your eternity forever. And friends, the call of the Bible, the call of this story, the call of Jesus is for you and I to respond now. We've got a chance that those five brothers didn't have necessarily. We have a chance that the rich man didn't have necessarily, and that's to hear a story like this and to respond in repentance and faith. Repentance, we've said over and over again, it means that to become a follower of Jesus means to change our lives about everything. And whether you've been a follower of Jesus for years or you're not even sure where you are on your spiritual journey, this story, you can't read the story without being challenged to change the way we view absolutely everything, to change the way we view life, to change the way we view death, to change the way we view riches and material things, to change the way we, we view poor people around us or people who we've got and they haven't got, to change the way we view Jesus. Jesus and his place in our lives, to change the way we view people around us who haven't met him, who haven't responded to his message, who haven't responded to his rescue, who haven't received his forgiveness. Friends, this story challenges us to change the way we think about everything. And it challenges you and I, not just to repentance, but to faith. Abraham, the kind of host of heaven's party, His life was marked by radical faith. And friends, you and I are being challenged to faith. We're being challenged to believe this message. And believing this message isn't inspired by someone seeing someone rise from the dead or by some great miracle. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. If you want more faith in your life, if you're thinking, Lord, I want to believe, help my unbelief, What you need is the word of God. What we need is the word of God. Faith that Jesus came to rescue you and I from our sins. Faith that 
He wants you and I to be with him in paradise forever. Faith at the best is yet to come. I want to finish by uh, looking at a story from uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, written by C.S. Lewis. We've quoted him a couple of times today already. He talks about um, this issue of death. And some people in one of his stories dies, and this is what he says. The things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in, listen to this, all their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever and in which every chapter is better than the one before. Over the coming weeks, we want to explore with you this great, great story, which no one on earth has read, and in which every chapter is better than the one before. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this incredible story. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the revelation it gives us of eternal realities, that we all face death, that after death there are two options, and that is eternity with you and eternity without you. And God, I pray that this would sink into our hearts and change the way that we live to the glory of your name. And everyone said, Amen.